listening to The Charged Hogwarts. Music-loving podcast, music-loving people. It is me, Evan Saudi, Unis co-creator, Taryn O'Reilly, and it is the 2010s.net editor, creator, and Mikaija, no other than Nathan Stevens. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm Thank sorry. you for having me on. Before we go any farther, I just have to tell the listeners that we usually do like a, a, a non-verbal 3-2-1 countdown for our hello, and this time that countdown from Evan was most certainly 3, 3, oh shit, 2 and a half, 1, go! <laughs> It was so. I appreciate I appreciate Nathan uh, being cool about it and being the incredible person that he is. Uh, even though we shed over a lot of his opinions, I can't. I honestly like. I'm not even before we even start. I still can't believe how tight that ranking was. Yeah. Like the, the past two episodes, because we had a pretty tight one when it came to Modest Mouse in terms of like what we think the top four should be. But that one was especially hard because it was just three different camps kind of entrenched in their own. Uh, area it was so fascinating i mean i had a good reason to put like three uh, the top three albums all could have been number one if you had caught me at a different point during this listening process oh so you're saying that we could re-record it when you're in the feeling that mineral love should be number one Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. We're gonna or Silver Wilkinson ah! or Silver Wilkinson. <laughs> I'm so sorry, baby. It's yeah. not happening. All right. <laughs> so uh, most importantly, though, it is uh, it is the Happy Hour Mini Show. We can talk about whatever the fuck we want to talk about in terms of all things video. But of course, we start the Happy Hour Mini Show with the thing we start at the start of every Happy Hour Mini Show, which is <laughs> everybody. What is the worst video song? I'm gonna throw in as always our qualifier. It can't be off of Hand Cranked because oh, uh, get what well, uh, I. It, what the fuck, then? What's the point? Uh, I, I just gotta say it. Fucking pretentious is pretentious, and I, and I fucking hate that song. I can't get over the two minutes of discordant guitar tones followed by the harsh beats coming in. I know it goes somewhere, but I just fucking hate it so much. I mean, I have to be honest. If we're not doing hand cranked, I don't know that I have a great answer. Why because, so serious? No, I mean, why so serious? I have to be in the right mood, but it's I don't like hate it. Okay. Um. Honestly, honestly, it might be the way you talk. Oh, wow. I really that song. Did really, absolutely nothing for me whatsoever. But it was sampled by Cashmere Cat, so you know it's good. It's a stupid song to sample. <laughs> I don't know. I just it just it 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 continues to exist. The thing is, I think that the backing track for it would be like a really nice like ambient moment. But it has vocals, so it can't be that. I don't know. I, it's not. It's far, far. I also far like that he it. just got he got the Gautier cameo by emailing Gautier, and Gautier's like, sure. I mean, he had already done a remix for him. Yeah, but still, like, I just feel like his Gautier has obviously checked out of fame ever since his big Grammy win, and it's just like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll show up on this. Why not? Why not? Fuck it. The 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 answer, which is off hand cranked, is Woodington. But <laughs> if we're if we're not doing that. Maybe, it's just low hanging fruit and challenging. You. Yeah, I, I would say one of the maybe one of the songs leading up to Poplar Avenue on Fee, whether that's Lakeside or uh, Blurry and Red, just because it's like you're leading up to this very long, pretty excellent ambient cut that could be almost an EP or an album into itself, and there's just nothing there. It's just air. It's just oh, static. See, it's I kind of like Lakeside. Yeah. Um. I mean, totally. if, if Cantaloupe Carousel, personally, I think has 
the same issues as hand cranked, so that could be an option. Could be too. Yeah. 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 I, but I like that you put out the the qualifier beforehand of like, what's his worst song outside of the album that has all of the worst songs, and it's like, like if he did I, a remaster, <laughs> if he rejiggered it in some way where we could actually hear them beyond I, that. Buzz. I guess that's also my confusion is like I know that it's uh, the original production is like part of the charm for some people, but like you did a re-release of it and added more tracks from the sessions that no one had heard before. And I was like, why? Who wants yeah. this? Yeah. For like, me, I mean, I also lied before as much as uh, Silver Wilkinson, I thought I said was my gateway. My actual gateway was whatever that logic song is that samples lovers carvings uh, as the beats. Uh, that was the one that got... <laughs> you sent that to me. I wasn't mad at it. <laughs> I, I mean... I just, I couldn't believe uh, that Flatbush Zombies sampled two different Bibio songs for different beats at various points. I'm like, what the fuck? It was Eric, just... the Arch- Eric the Architect is really on that stuff. Like, the stuff that he listens, their beat producer, like, he listens to that stuff all the time. Yeah. I mean, that's cool. But, then, I mean, then again, we also ran into the weirdness when we did our uh, uh, Modest Mouse episode recently where I found that, you know, Big Boy was in the studio with Modest Mouse and was really oh, yeah. enjoying what they came up with and then nothing ever came from it. So it was just kind of... Kind of a wild, you know. You never know how hip hop and indie rock are gonna, you know, intersect. It's always surprising. Or when Kid Cudi is able to get MGMT to be, be a guest on his song, sure. Or samples Father John Misty for Indica. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but most importantly, I think the thing is that, like, as much as you know, uh, Stephen Wilkinson is, as we know, a tabloid fixture for his various, you know, countryside romps and whatnot that he has. There's not a lot of like personal life to dig into. To clarify for those people. <laughs> Who don't maybe don't know. He is not that at all. At all. That was an Evan lie. Yeah. <laughs> Standard Evan lie. Uh, but the thing that we do need to talk to, and I think, Nathan, you're actually kind of going to be perfect for this, his many non-album releases, his EPs, his remixes, his everything. You started with the Green EP as your review, as kind of your intro. Walk us through how did that go? How did that expand from there? I mean, the starting point was... Was it your first, became... first review? One of, no, my first review uh, professionally was Government Plaints by Death Grips because Sarah's insane and let me do that as a rookie. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you always got to put it through the ringer. Sometimes we'll start with something huge. Wow. Yeah, yeah, uh, which was a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, that was one of my first maybe like 15 or 20 reviews for Pop Matters. And I had heard of Bibio before. And as I kind of talked about in the main episode, it was always clustered around the chill wave movement and the beat tape movement yeah. because those could kind of intersect. Because mm-hmm. I was familiar with baths from Cerulean, especially animals or however you pronounce that because you switched the animals. M in the end. Animals. Animals. And uh, also Neon Indian because I'm from Texas and he's from texas as well i was very familiar with his work and it was like oh this bibio guy is another one of these chill wave people and i was like had listened to some of his stuff especially off of ambivalence avenue like some of the singles and i was like okay like let's try this out why not and the green ep blew me away because that was the same year i got into the no twist and i had not really made this connection of what folktronica was who was doing that what it meant and the green ep I don't know. I, I still think there's a lot of snobbery around analog, non-analog, electronic versus like live playing. And for 
Bibio to make that record and then for me to listen to that as a 18 19 year old something like that of listening to that and being like this person does not care he just wants to make the sound that is correct for his vision yeah and it doesn't matter if that's a synthesizer from the 70s if it's on ableton or if it's his acoustic guitar i thought the green ep did that just absolutely perfectly and that's what dragged me into his world and as i said before i just always kept up with him because i was like even if i don't love the sounds he's making i am fascinated by how he's going to try to create these soundscapes that are in his mind Mm -hmm. so did you dig into any of the other eps or whatnot since then um i i'm looking through it right now right when uh Phantom Brickworks came out. I definitely listened to the EP that was kind of the extras, which was four and five, Mm -hmm. which I I thought was interesting, but I didn't love. And then uh, the main thing that happened after that was kind of what you were referencing earlier, which was the confusion around what is Sleep on the Wing? Mm -hmm. Because he said it was an EP. It felt like an album, but then he also kept releasing all these really interesting live videos at the same time. And that goes into kind of his whole live show thing of like, I don't really want to do live shows, but I'll release all these really interesting videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The weird thing about sleep on the wing is I, I don't even know if he totally made up his mind on how he was classifying it. Cause I definitely saw one release that described it as a mini LP, which is like, uh, that's just, that's kind of like when AG uh, <laughs> cook of PC music, when he recently released his second debut album, and people are like, fuck <laughs> off, dude. You can't, you can't do that. I'm sorry. I, that's like basically saying, well, I lost my second virginity. Like, literally, that's at the same time. It's like, shut the fuck up, you idiot. Yeah, what, do, what does that even mean? But, but that was, I remember very specific, specifically a couple of songs coming out. There was the video for St. Thomas came out around mineral love and it was just him playing guitar and i adore that song Mm -hmm. and then when sleep on the wing came out there was that i think an animated video for oak moss that -hmm. was just gorgeous as well i mean he's so infatuated with some of the visual components or visual accomplices Mm -hmm. to his art as well that it's worth just to keep checking in on his like youtube page or his twitter page just to see who he's working with or how he is emphasizing his music through visuals as well. So speaking of, you also are a professional recording artist under the name of Mikaija. Have you ever covered a Bibio song? If I was going to cover a Bibio song, God. The thing is that he does just, he's got a very interesting voice. He's a tenor. I'm a bass. That's hard, Mm -hmm. uh, first and foremost. Um, I think something that's really underrated in his discography is he's an amazing guitarist. Like, truly. Yeah. Like a fantastic guitar. Not a shredder, but that's never been his objective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. could have thrown a guitar solo and take off your shirt, and yet he didn't. And that is, uh, you know. I mean, I think one, one thing that sort of highlighted just how good he is, and this is going to sound weird, but he plays all of the instruments across the vast majority of his discography. And so knowing that he's playing all the violin and cello on Ribbons and Sleep on the Wing... When you hear some of, and, and he said in an interview, he doesn't consider himself a violinist, even in 2020. Which is ridiculous. Which is insane, because <laughs> if you listen to Oak Moss, some of those violin <laughs> runs are difficult. There is some real yeah. dexterity going on there. And then I thought, oh, well, of course he can do that, because as far as the finger movements, it's very similar to a lot of the complex guitar work that he does 
he's just using a bow instead to create the main sound. So, yeah, I, I mean, I just, I, I absolutely think he is up there among, like, the great indie guitarists. But he won't always probably get that credit because it's usually acoustic. It's a lot more, it's not as um, in your face. If I was going to cover anything, it would be on Sleep on the Wing, partially because I've recently learned a couple of Nickel Creek songs, and I could just kind of slot those two together as covers. Mm-hmm. So. What Nickel Creek songs did you word since we just did an episode on them this season? Uh, Lighthouse Tale. I mean, come on. If you're got, if you're Time gone. to cry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, okay, well, in that case, uh, Taryn, you dug deep into the science and EPs. I sure did. I listened to um, every release he has done that I could find. Uh, So that was a lot of fun. He he did a remix of a Wax Stag song called... Oh, no. You sent it to me. I'm going to pull it up. Hold on. I bet I can find it. Uh, I know, I know... First of all, I can say he did a cover of a Boards of Canada song called Kanai Industries that is yeah. absolutely fantastic. It's called Folk Rock. He did a, a, <laughs> a cover of a Wax Stag song called Folk Rock, and this was in, like, uh, 2008, so very early for him, um, but it almost veers into the Ambivalence Avenue territory because there's some, like, crunchy synths on there. There's, like, a central piano theme that stays throughout, and it starts sort of like how you would expect a Bibio-esque song to start. And then there's like a crunchy synth break. And then the piano theme comes back in over that. And then the ending is like a full acoustic. It's the same piano line, but played on an acoustic piano with his acoustic guitar picking. And it is stunning. So it sort of takes the same musical idea and presents it in three very distinct Bibio fashions, which I found was really really interesting to dissect you then also sent me uh kanai industries his boards of canada yeah. cover um and then i also really loved the whole k for kelson ep the it starts with the, the title track but then all of the other three songs on there are really solid there's one about sisters yeah that, all their sisters all their sisters yeah that yeah. that uh i keep coming back to and then you also sent me mark pritchard give it your choir feature oh video. yes haunting yeah like and really yes video too but it's it's um bibio's doing the vocals and it's just uh multi-track to death i mean it's called give it your choir and he really produces a choir of himself um that's absolutely worth checking out well he also in my interview there was that one song i think it was off of ribbons that has that kids choir that hey oh no so mm-hmm. that's um, Erde Didder Erde Dar. Yes. Which is, which is just be, a fun thing to say. His craziest song title. <laughs> uh, I was reading that the that children's choir is him. Yeah. Pitch shifted. Yeah. Because uh, he, he literally, no other musicians appear on that record, that whole album. Which is uh, just does, insane. Every, every single nuts. element is, and the, there aren't even samples there. Anything that sounds sampled is he played it himself and pitch shifted it and processed it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Erdede Erdede Ditter Erdedar is definitely a, a highlight on there. Yeah. It was also funny too to be like, what, it's like, oh, you read some video interviews? Like, yeah, where'd you read them? On Pop Matters? Okay, that was me. You know, I mean, there was literally one where I was like, I was reading in this interview, and he was like, there, I did that interview. And I was like, yeah, probably. I didn't. I didn't really check. <laughs> is he? Is he as lovely as I'm assuming he is? Well, here, fun fact, he only does email interviews. So it's one of those things. He's still very detailed in everything that he does, but yeah, he doesn't like doing the speaky, speaky, phony, phony thing. 
Uh, which is I, hey, no transcription. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that is one plus that you have towards it, but you know, still you gotta you know put a little bit of zhuzh into it to make it a make it happen. But yeah, I mean he's been. I think I realized that we did two uh, interviews, and then I did a twenty questions with him like way back in the day too. So like at least three, I've at least you know interviewed him or at least asked him about his art at least three different times, which has been a bit of a thing. And again, he just sounds like just a. A low-key, quiet, introverted guy. The fact that he doesn't want to do live shows just kind of is, I think, very indicative of where he's at just in terms of, like, I don't want to fuck with this shit. I just want to just do me, you know? Plus, I mean, with his music, the fact that he does do it himself, it would either be him... It would be, it, I feel like it'd be difficult to translate a lot of his work to a live setting without hiring a whole band, and that's yeah. another hurdle that he's probably not interested in, in taking part in, like teaching other people yeah. the parts and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you own anything video related? Just the Green EP. Oh, you I just... think I have that on CD, CD somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know I, at the very least I have a Mineral Love on Vinyl uh, because, I mean, how, how could you not? Yeah, I mean, uh, Vinyl Bibio is hard to come by, though. A lot of it just isn't available. Oh, I know. And ter- my birthday's coming up, and I can't believe Taryn got me hand-cranked on vinyl. I thought that was so sweet. <laughs> I thought that was so lovely of him. Thankfully, that was already sold out. It's so weird how, like, I just... There's certain artists that, like, they had a vinyl out at one point, and then just stopped anymore. Because genuinely, one of my... An album that low-key has become my favorite over time, and this is tangential to uh, uh, Bibio, but uh, Gautier's Making Mirrors, his big star-making uh, album, is a fantastic fantastic record it is so goddamn good and he did an initial pressing on vinyl and nothing since and now if you want to try and get it you could there's people selling it for like three hundred dollars and i just i can't even i don't know it's just so frustrating and stupid and just you know i mean i know he's disinterested in fame and now at this point but like that's just money money you could be printing right now buddy that's just yeah that, that is nuts i mean he did have a global smash he might not need to print anymore that is true you. yeah what is the rarest vinyl you have in your collection what is the rarest vinyl I have in my collection? Uh, I have an original print of Abbey Road. That's pretty Damn, nice. Damn, okay. How'd you get that? Good. Uh, my grand, my step-grandparents from Alabama. Damn, okay. That's pretty great. <laughs> I, you know, it's from 1969, and I'm just like, hey, can I have the... You know, I'm like 16. Hi. I'm like, can I have this? And they're like, oh, sure. And I'm like... <laughs> I, know how value, I know how valuable this is. Have you ever played uh, it? That's how my dad... Uh, yeah, it's still, fi- I mean, you know, it's a little crackly, but it's still fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. I've been, we've been expanding our vinyl collection over the past little while, but it's been a fun little journey. We had to get two new crates during Christmas. We ran yeah, because we got so many, so many goddamn vinyls. Because, you know, I, I just, I just need the Selena Gomez album on the full, you know, double disc, et cetera, you know, thing. Yeah. Just, you, know, those. You, you do? <laughs> <gasps> yeah. Anyways, uh, anything other video you want to talk about? Any specific videos or moments? Because also, Taryn, you were mentioning there were certain songs that we didn't talk about on our top three albums that you wanted to mention. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, we didn't really talk about Wake Up. I know you said earlier this week that you hate it. I, th- I think I was mistaking it with. I don't like it, but I think I was mistaking it with pretentious. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Wake Up's one of my favorites. Yeah, I'd be curious to hear, because we kept referencing, like, oh, these are my top five Bibio songs. What are the songs you guys, I don't need to, you know, number one changes all the time, as we saw from the albums, like how contentious that was. But are there any songs that you're like, I just consistently come back to this, like whether it's because it's dancey or it's comfortable or whatever? 
uh, Town and Country, that was the lead single. I heard it before the album, and that was just like the moment, just kind of everything. Everything I love about Bibio was put into a single song, and I respect yeah. that and love that so much. And again, Light Up the Sky was just, I just, that synth line, every time I think about it, it just kind of, it, it takes me to a place. It's transportive for me. So those, those are definitely in my top two. I know I said in the main cast, Ruxira is my favorite. Um, I've listened to that song so many times. One that I remember you playing the music video when it came out last year, but Sleep on the Wing, the title track, that's probably the song that I played the most over the past two weeks. It's I fucking incredible, isn't yeah. it? Replaying it and replaying it. And I would be like in the middle of another album and be like, okay, but I'm going to listen to Sleep on the Wing once and come back to this. Like, I just. It's just stunning. And I feel similarly about Oak Moss. I think that both of those songs are uh, quickly climbing and like joining the ranks of my favorite songs of all time. I don't know if it's because like we did do a Nickel Creek episode this season, so I'm just like ready to receive it. But yeah, I mean, those those two songs both really surprised me and I just couldn't couldn't stop playing them. How about with you, Nathan? St. Thomas or Die the Water Green. And Die the Water Green is basically a nostalgic thing, but there's, again, because I love the Green EP so much, There is, it's almost like slipping on a comfortable robe, you know, like mm-hmm. a bathrobe, yeah. of just like you're going into this record, and I know what this record is, and I know it's comforting, but I know it's also going to challenge me in a little bit because there are those ambient moments. And then St. Thomas is just, I, I love math rock. I adore math rock and it's not, it's not like super noodly or out there, but hearing these dueling guitars, not trying to be metal or shreddy, but just like egging each other on yeah. to be like a little bit more dexterous is lovely. And that's, I mean, St. Thomas is, is a fascinating piece for me because there's sort of that middle section where it almost feels like they're falling out of time with each other. But oh, yeah. it's it's so you can tell it's very purposefully done because then they exactly click back into place for the third movement. And so it really like when you're really zoning in on that song, you're in you're like the beautiful dueling, like bouncing back and forth between the headphones of the first section. And then there's like some discord before it resolves. And yeah, oh, yeah. St. Thomas is definitely one that like. I before this week, if you had asked me what it sounds like, I probably couldn't have told you. But I've still listened to it so many times. Like it's definitely ingrained as like part of the fabric of what Bibio is for me. Does that make sense? Yeah, because it's the idea of dueling guitars, except they're not competitive. They're right. just helping. Complimentary. Yeah. 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 Although I did yeah. notice when I was going back through my interview with him, he did like how he likes having a diverse discography. He likes kind of having albums that don't necessarily sound the same one after the other. And that whatever he was working on, and this may change, and maybe it was something he all put out in the uh, Beyond Curious EP, but he wants to make something very disco-inspired for his next record. I, I'd be excited. Um, I mentioned it briefly in the main cast, but the Beyond Serious EP, it's only four songs, but... If you like 90s House, it's good 90s House. There's two songs on there specifically, and it was tracks two and track four that are both, like, just fantastic. They hit a groove, and it's right. The samples are all right. Like, it's it sounds like it could be off a Daft Punk record or, like, you know, a Matt Zoe early on. Like, it's really, really So strong. what you're saying is that we're going to have a Bibio lip sync on RuPaul's Drag Race at some point. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> I don't know if there are enough lyrics, but uh, sure. We're gonna get, I think we can make Take Off Your Shirt a thing. We can make that make that happen. Yeah? Yeah, maybe. absolutely. I guess uh, 
two other songs that I didn't mention that are definitely like, at least in my top 20, are um, both off of Silver Wilkinson, actually. Uh, Sycamore Silhouetting. Ah. Sycamore Silhouetting. It, 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 I just like perfectly picture like an evergreen forest covered in snow. Like it, it does its job beautifully. And then also Raincoat is oh, yeah. just no. beautiful. To, to me, that sounds almost like a, like a Simon and Garfunkel song. <laughs> like it just really taps into, it doesn't sound like a traditional, but it, it taps into that like feeling of songwriting of like, this could be ancient, you know? Yeah. Do I, do either of you have synesthesia? No. no. Do you? you have synesthesia? See, I do. Oh yeah, 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 I do, I and I, I think that's yeah, that's part of. It. So one of my first reviews that kind of came online was "Lone," uh, the UK you know House and Ray producer, mm-hmm. his album "Galaxy Garden," and it, I said it was the most colorful album I'd ever heard. And then a friend of mine emailed me, he's like, "What do you mean by colorful?" I went into it, and I was like, "He's like, I think you have fucking synesthesia, my man." So like you know, from there. When I was reviewing stuff, I was always like, okay, I can see certain colors or textures when I'm listening to music, but I can't really exactly write it down when I'm doing reviews. And that happened with the Green EP because it is, for me, a pond. It's water. Mm-hmm. It is that texture, the, the ripples upon the pond and stuff like that. And I think I'd be curious if Bibio has a similar attachment of music and sounds to uh, you know sort of a a visual component as well i mean i definitely uh i don't have synesthesia at least in from what i've read about it that does not seem to be describing my experience experience but i definitely still like when i listen to a song it sort of evokes usually a color palette and i i definitely like it's often influenced by the album cover so like oh, yeah. Silver yeah, Wilkinson, super. of course, uh, at, at first glance, it's always going to be like orange and pink. But then yeah. even within that, like certain songs definitely take you sort of on a different, you know, a different palette, a different palette, mood, yeah. a different yeah. feeling. Like look at Orion, obviously, it's all over the place. Um, yeah. Like that's full Technicolor. So what are there particular colors or patterns that you associate with some of these albums? I think, especially as he's gone on, especially from Ribbons to Sleep on the Wing, uh, and this albums. is those two <laughs> albums in particular, of not just green, but this feeling of like moss, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Of like, not just, you know, there's the song title Oat Moss, obviously, but like greens, yellows, algae, things being kind of. It's hard to explain. Like it, it's always hard to articulate. Like, particularly ar- articulate these things, but like this feeling of softness that has been there a very long time. Like even though it's soft and malleable and huggable in some cases, it's still ancient. I totally. I know exactly what you're trying to say. Yeah. Because because to me these albums, <laughs> even though. Uh, Phi was the one with all the Welsh place names in it. Ribbons and Sleep on the Wing, absolutely. I, I've never been to Wales, but I am Welsh. And I feel like I just, like, I picture myself there. Um, yeah. And I just, like, it, it definitely, I, I feel what you're saying. It's sort of, not like druidic, but that's sort of the, the, the vibe okay. as a whole that it gives off is this, like, yeah, connection to, like, ancient nature. Well, that's the feeling of the 
how does this album line up with your environment? And the majority of these songs, as I've been re-listening to them over the last two weeks of walking around my neighborhoods here in central Texas and it being like slowly emerging spring, I'm just like, ah, this is what this is. And it'd be curious, I'd be curious if I could, you know, if I re-listened to this in the fall, if I don't think those colors would change or if I would just be like, I need to listen to something different. Mm -hmm. That's more of a Phantom Brickworks vibe in the fall. Yeah, I I mean, the ultimate, maybe the uh, Sleep on the Wing might be like one of my ultimate like spring albums as opposed to Bonfires on the Heath by the clientele is the ultimate fall album Mm -hmm. for me. And so like, yeah. Seasons. It's I, funny you mention that because definitely like Mind Bouquet to me is like July, <laughs> like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna listen in July then. Yeah, I'm going like, to. I hope you take July. off your shirt when you do. <laughs> I I have a you know I have a couple of muscle shirts. It's it's good. It's good. <laughs> well, I, I thought it was also so interesting this week because I genuinely don't know what Taryn's experience is with Ambient, but I remember early on when you're listening to Phantom Brickworks, you were talking about how there were moments when you just kind of lay back. I closed and just like purely blissed out, you mm-hmm. know, when you're digging into that album, which I thought was just so interesting that you were just engaging in this joyous open way. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's I I, I was very careful about when I listened to Phantom Brickworks this week. Like I I always made sure I was in the mood before yes. before I pressed play because it is such a specific experience. You know, I am I am not the sort of person who is generally going to seek out ambient works. You know, I usually if I either just want it to be silent or I want like color. I joy. Want, yeah, I want like ex- an explosion of color and joy and and lots of like intricate uh, melodicisms. And oh, my words are leaving. Um. <laughs> OK, well, I listen. I don't I don't I don't want to press. and I don't want to I don't want to make it a thing. But genuinely, after hearing our lovely speaking voices, I need to ask you. Nathan, what what colors do we give off when you hear our, our dulcet tones? Uh, it's not from voices. Oh, it's damn. not from just talking voices. Damn Sorry. It. You could have even lied and made us feel good, but that's okay. <laughs> I understand. I appreciate it. I, I'm curious on the ambient thing, though, because you and Bromfield have done so much work together. Bromfield is my go-to person for, like, ambient recommendations. Recently, my what I call my unwindy album, which is I turn off all the lights, glasses off, just listen and with the headphones is Radio Amore by Tim Hecker, which is an incredibly warm record, but also can be a very disquieting record. Where do you think Phantom Brickworks kind of lays in sort of the modern ambient stuff? Is it a record that like slowly creeps in on you, or is it a record that really is just trying to envelop you in sort of a warmth, like a, a cloak or a bath? I think it is a record you dive into because I think that a good ambient record has rising action. And I think, again, in terms of the people thinking about ambient as like mental wallpaper or something else, I genuinely feel like the right kind of uh, record, there is a building action, there's a rise, there's emotion. And sometimes it's one of those things where an ambient record a change or shift will happen and even though you can hear it you don't necessarily feel it or it's all the same vibe like the thing about ambient that's so intriguing to me is there is structure to it there is progression to it there are chord changes there's this uh, you know building actions to it but sometimes it just kind of gets 
lost in terms of the general ambient fuzz or haze. So that's why, like, uh, there's the uh, Raphael Inasari albums that have come up a couple times on my Our Greatest Up list that are just, like, seven minutes is, like, the sweet spot they hit in terms of, like, it grows and builds and changes and rises and falls. And, like, it's just, and there's, like, a journey that you go on with it. And that's why, like, ambient is such a, it's such a specific, weird little genre, but it is not just background music. It is something that is challenging and can engage you and sometimes absolutely envelop and make uh, and make you emote in different ways. So, uh, yeah, so I think in terms of that, I don't necessarily get as much of an immediate progression in terms of, like, full-on structure, structure out of the Phantom Brickwork stuff. It is more of an album you just kind of bathe in. You just kind of just let it happen to you instead of something that is uh, progressive or something that uh, moves in a specific direction. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I, I, I think, like I said earlier, Tim Hecker and Stars of the Lid are kind of my go-to ambient artists. And part of the reason for that, Tim Hecker is much, I feel like is a very dynamic ambient artist, which sounds like an oxymoron, but it's not. It's true. S- Stars of the Lid is absolutely there. Here's this sweeping string arrangement that is just going to completely envelop you. Mm-hmm. You know, you seem like a very cuddle-oriented person. If I were to, I I have put up the words adorable, cuddly, you know, cozy quite a few times. I I, I would say that yes, yeah. for sure. Well, I would say uh, next time that you're in, that you're around, you know, we will gladly cuddle you. I'm just gonna put that. Out. I love <laughs> cuddle record. We're good. Cuddles. Like, cuddles are great. I I normalize cuddling with your friends. I would I Please. want to just like well, even last night you were mentioning that post uh, COVID era you want to have. I want to throw a cuddle party. I want to invite like my 15 favorite people over and we will like make multi layers of blankets on the floor and just like snuggle for a couple hours. Hey, I got my first shot last week, so hey. you know. You know who else is invited to that party? Stephen Wilkinson. You and your girlfriend come <laughs> on by. We will go ahead. We will make it happen. But surely I do mean this, Nathan. Thank you so much for joining us for this. We really appreciate it. You were definitely the go-to person for this, and uh, we're so happy that it was you who was uh, here to give us your thoughts and opinions and joys. It is an absolute delight and an honor. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for your love, this. journey. Yeah. This was uh, this is one of like. Because it was just so bubbly and joyous. Yeah. Even when we were fighting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what Bibio does. You can still have disagreements, but it's, you know, f- fun and just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but most importantly, thank you all so much for listening. If you got your own video opinions, please toss them in the comments. Please send us an email to thechartographers at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook, leave a review, do all the things, because honestly, we love hearing from you. We will engage with you. And if you have anything to say about Nathan, even if it's just I want to cuddle you, we will make sure that gets forwarded on to him. We will make sure it happens. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. Keep on listening. Er, 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 er